welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air, online, 24-7, here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Of course, if you're listening to us, you're either listening to us as a podcast or as what we call a radio loop. And if you go to that same uh, website homepage, www.centerlefttalkradio.com, on that page, right below the big picture of the microphone on which I am speaking, or into which I am speaking right now, uh, pick your preposition, uh, you will find two links. The first one being a link to all of our podcasts. Well, all of them. No, there have been uh, in the range of 750 of them. And the service that we use uh, basically allows us to list, I think, about the last 50 shows. Each of our shows, of course, is released as a podcast. And the first show at the top of the podcast list, well, that's also the show that's running in the radio loop. So you get to pick up the show either way you like. If you do the radio loop route, you basically are picking us up at whatever point the show happens to be in, yeah, the loop that it's running in. Just just like if you were to turn on a radio and and see what's there, you would find uh, the show at whatever point it was running. Unless, of course, you're you're compulsively uh, sitting there waiting for the show to start on radio. That's how we used to know that we were going to hear something or see something from the very beginning. You pick it up uh, at the schedule that the broadcaster or the podcast or whoever uh, says that it'll be playing live. But we are in a, um, a very, uh, uh, my way sort of way of doing things in this country. We, we have a lot of uh, individual freedom to do whatever we want to do. And that seems to have spread to uh, the way in which we experience our entertainment. I suppose uh, what I am doing is a form of entertainment. I'd like to think of it as, as information, but it's uh, it's. I suppose it, it, it straddles both those both those areas. In any event, uh, you can listen to the podcast and pick it up from scratch. Uh, if what I'm doing is entertainment, uh, I'd like to think of it all. No, you know, I. How do I think of center left radio? How do I think of what I'm doing? Am I am I, um, am I informing you? And are you being entertained? Are you, are you enriched by what you hear here? Are you hearing what you want to hear? What is, what is the stuff? What is the nature? What's at, what's at the bedrock level? What is the, what is central left radio giving? You. What is any what is any podcast giving you? 
I, I suppose a lot of people would suggest it's a it's a reinforcement. Many of these things, what you know, what do you listen to? Well, I'll tell you who you are and what you're all about, and you discover a reinforcement uh, to some extent of ideas. I, I, I would hope that in 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 being attracted to this particular podcast, this show, this radio loop. Uh, there's also the understanding that there's something more to be learned, that there's something more to be gotten, uh, more than just basically having uh, another veneer added to a preconceived uh, perception of life and how life works and, and everything and our place within it. And the non-place of other people, uh, the, the zero summing of the world in which we exist. But truth be told, uh, shows like Center Left Radio and, and those at the other, uh, at another extreme, I would, I would like to say we're not at an extreme. That's why we're center left. I, I believe that's where we are. I, I've been told by some people that when David Bach appears on the show on Fridays, that David tends to be more towards the uh, the, the the further uh, boundary of of, of uh, democratic political thought, more in the progressive area. But I think over time, uh, the desire to uh, the, the 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 purity of our thoughts and the and the absolutism with which we might think often intersects with the reality of our lives. And we find workable situations, workable methodologies. Again, this is what this is what uh, what Teddy Roosevelt was talking about, and what was being promoted in that period, the early part of the 20th century. The whole notion of progressivism, that Republican Teddy Roosevelt talking about our ability to get together, hash out a problem, basically let everybody's desires and needs relative to a given problem that we all recognize or that we, that we had common language for. Okay, here's the problem. Here's my point of view on it. How do we solve this so that the most people will get something out of it in the end, recognizing no one, no one group or no one group should be getting everything to zero to the zero-sum effect of others. And, and that's always been the idea of the center-left radio, too. We, we, I call it the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. Progressive in the sense of Teddy Roosevelt progressivism. Finding a workable solution that works for the largest number of people. Not the, 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 the virtual opposite of zero-summing a situation so that uh, uh, my, si my way or the highway winds up being the, uh, the, 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 the well, it's not the choice, it's, it's, it's the imposed solution. And, and, and it's odd, with the Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, um, well, you know, we knew that was coming. And, 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 I, and I have to add, this is a parenthetical here. I digress on this point, but I, I just want to say this before I forget it, uh, because I've, it's been popping in and out of my head for the last few days. The, the, the more I think about the so-called leak of the Alito decision, 
uh, in, in the in the destruction of Roe v. Wade and and just the impoverished, I feel, legal reasoning that was used to reach that decision, and and the impassioned, uh, I, I believe it was Sotomayor wrote the dissent, and she began it with the words, with sorrow. I've, I've never heard a dissent or any other thing coming out of the Supreme Court that began with the words, with sorrow. And that's exactly how she and the two other now so-called liberal justices, because that's what we have. We have six and three. That's the deal. Donald got his, uh, his wish with the three, shouldn't have, but did. And they, you know, two of them lied during at least, well, at least two of them openly lied during their confirmation, said that they would uphold stare decisis, uphold the existing decisions of the court, and just flat out lied to get themselves on the court. End of story. Uh, that's another thing we'll have to deal with. But if, if the preliminary, uh, if, if the leak of that decision had not come out, it's easily two months now, I guess, or more. I think if yesterday, if, if the decision that was was released, what two days ago now? This is, this is, uh, this is where this is Tuesday, the twenty eighth of June. It was it was the end of last week. If that decision had come out for the first time when it did a few days ago at the end of the court session for this year, this, this season of the court, and there had been no prior warning, if it had only been, well, you know, yes, I know that Trump put these people on, but they, they said they wouldn't do it. If the court followed its normal process and simply didn't say a damn word, I have a feeling that the explosion would have been something that could have really rocked this country very, very badly. Uh, the, the analogies to the 4th of July or the comparisons to the freedoms of the 4th of July, the level of protest, the level of violence, the, 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 the I can't believe it reaction, my God, how could we go back here? That would have amp been amplified immensely if this had been, if the, if the destruction of Roe had been sprung on us as virtually every other Supreme Court decision is. So I, I have a feeling that in the future, at some point, maybe not the far distant future, we will learn that there was a conscious, uh, agreed leaking of this decision that very, very possibly Justice Roberts himself was uh, in, you know, or maybe at, at, at best it was a don't tell me, I don't want to know, let it sort of happen uh, kind of uh, approach to the pre-issuance of the Alito decision on Roe v. Wade that gave the country time to digest the disgusting reality that we've eliminated two generations of, of personal freedom for women, that we've gone back 50 years, and that we've basically seemed to be re-embracing this notion that cruelty, that, that the cruelest way of doing things is somehow 
the safest way of doing things. I, I, I know that sounds bizarre, and it is, but, but there seems to be something in our culture Something in our in our minds where where well the, America has it seems has always been this way. We invariably are in a progressive movement. The everything about our history says that we are achieving that more perfect union. That we are making life better for ourselves. We are essentially uh, the the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that would seem to be at odds with so much of what we do and how we allow our laws to ultimately default when we allow, and I, again, this, and this is the question, what is it about us that allows us to have a situation in this country where women's reproductive rights now are limited to regions of the country that I would say are not frightened. They tend, well, they're democratic, where the Republican, there, there is this, this sort of primitive jungle-ish sort of uh, an environment where you can be thrown, I don't know, depending on how, how, how retrograde and how horrible and how knuckle-dragging their automatic laws, many of which are being challenged in courts right now, but how bad this is, who gets blamed, who basically must be destroyed, who has... Been, but in the name of removing a right that has existed for 50 years... And 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 the and and the people who have been pushing this and raising money off of it for those fifty years, like like a bunch of mad chihuahuas who have been racing after an eighteen wheeler, we'll get you, we'll get you, bark, 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 and fi and finally the eighteen wheeler slows down enough, and a whole bunch of chihuahuas suddenly just just lash onto the tires, and their teeth and their dug in, and their nails are there. When the reality is, is that at some point, America will, the 18-wheeler is going to roll forward again. And they're going to suffer the consequences as a result. <clears throat> it's the nature of who we are. We, but when we, when we take our eye off of the Constitution, when we take our eye off of the notion of forming a more perfect union and the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, there is this built-in tendency to opt or to default to cruelty. Why the hell is that? We, we, will, we, can, we will control women's bodies, but we can't control guns. We, we'll come up with the most limp-wristed legislation humanly possible with a sort of a, a nod, a wink and a nod to red flag laws, but not really doing heavy-duty background checks, leaving all the, the, the AR-15s and the AK-47s out there and basically having all the guns on the street. But that we won't give people the right to assisted suicide or the right to die if they're in grave illness. We, 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 we have a strange, strange way of expressing 
our, our sense of ourselves. And I, I, I've, I've often asked myself, what is it about us that, that takes us in this direction? And the odd thing, maybe it's not so odd, what I come back to invariably is the issue of the transmission of fear generationally. And, I, and, and, and for those of you who have listened to Center Left Radio for any period of time, you know that this is at the heart of what I believe, but I find this challenged so often as well. Basically, there is a single rule, I feel, guiding sentient beings. And if this rule were followed... I mean, I've gotten it down to a single rule of the way it got there. There's a whole history of why and how I'm able to say this as a single rule. But the, the point being that it's really quite simple. The way we get away from this feeling that only cruel and mean and nasty is safe, that anything we do that is loving and caring leaves us vulnerable and subject to someone else hurting us, that we, we can't really be good because we might get hurt. We are at someone else's mercy. We are lacking in something. We are lesser than if we do something mercifully. This, and it's, it's, it's an annoying thing that is within us and our culture. I don't want to go so far as to say it's within all humans. I can't really generalize it, but I think, I think perhaps it is. And, and, and in differing degrees and at different periods in our history, we sink back into this fearful, uh, th this fearful mode, this, this default to fear, rather than defaulting to the betterment of us generally, defaulting to our better angels, defaulting to progressivism. It, it, it winds up what Teddy Roosevelt was talking about and what was and, and the philosophy of the then Republican Party, the, the true conservatism, which is gone, at least in any kind of you know recognizable form within the existing Trumpian world, the, the, the master of cruelty, the master of anger, the master, the master of revenge, the master of hatred, the master of oh, oh, go on and on and on. And, 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 you know, it doesn't take much to figure out where it all came from with this guy. I mean, you know, it was embedded in him as a kid. But you see, but, but that's the whole thing. We, we, would, we apparently don't have within us the capacity to automatically all be merciful. There is a place where mercy and caring for our fellow man and our ability to tolerate the things that others may be that we are not, there's a place in us that recognizes that. But it is frequently superseded, it is emotionally subordinated to a larger, uh, knee-jerk, visceral reaction that says, if it's cruel and it's nasty and it's tough and it's, and it's overbearing, 
It's safer. I, I feel safer if something is meaner. And, and, and okay, I, I realize it may, it may affect me, it may hurt me a bit too, but I, but I know we're, we're safer, aren't we? If it's, if it's tougher and if, it's, and, if it's, and if it makes it more difficult and if, and if someone's being hurt, and especially if I'm, on, if I'm on the side of the righteous when someone is being hurt, if I can look at someone else and say, I'm different than, better than, and I, and I somehow participate with a group of others who can look at others and feel elevated, I'm safer. That's, that's the only place, that's the only thing that I can imagine that really is a, a positive in the way we have set up or what I see coming down the path in terms of the way legislation is going. It's running against much of our legislation about guns, about abortion, about, about, about anti-transgender, about, about uh, attitudes towards uh, national health care, our attitudes towards end-of-life care, and all of it, much of the legislation is contrary to where the vast majority or large majorities of the American people are. And yet somehow we allow a minority... To, to dictate the worst possible legislation, and we seem to uh, find, even we Lib Democrats, find that the, 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 the safety of that is that we can rail against it from our position. We, can, we, we need to have something to fight about, as it were. Why can't we basically, as a culture, simply find the basis for making everybody feel better? What is it that's so difficult about progressivism? Why is the notion that we all have to give a little to produce a result where no one gets everything but everyone gets something that they can ultimately live with. Why is zero-summing the invariable way to go when leadership from the top is coming from a position of fear? Well, I, I think maybe that's self-evident. When you're coming from a position of fear, like a Donald Trump is, you basically can't allow for discussion you can't allow for compromise because basically that leaves you vulnerable anything but take it all anything but zero sum produces fear in your mind so it's so where while while fear and and insecurity is something that is always bubbling beneath the surface when the head when the leadership basically begins just just demonstrating, illuminating their own insecurity when that becomes the guiding beacon of an entire half of the political spectrum of America, when expressing yourself in fearful terms 
in I must have it all, in intolerance, in literally in hatred, in, in get even, when that becomes shouted from the highest point, the worst of what we are invariably will emerge. And, and, and this is what we're seeing right now. There is only one rule. And, and, and this is the one that cuts through all of this bullshit and all of this fear and all of this, and all of this default to, to, to viciousness and, 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 and anger and Clarence Thomas-like thought processes and Donald Trump-type uh, you know, verbalizations and, and, and shouting and screaming and, and, and raiding the Capitol and, 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 and everything that the January 6th committee is looking at. And by the way, there's going to be another hearing today. Uh, this was sort of sprung on us yesterday. So we're going to find out something at about 1 p.m. this afternoon that should be interesting. But again, all of these things, the things that were done on January 6th, Trump's efforts to overturn the election, all of this. No, 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 it didn't happen. No, 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 no. There was never an insurrection. It's right the way it is. And we have, it's crazy. Of course, it's crazy. Of course, there was an insurrection. Of course, all this happened. Of course, we have to deal with it. Why can't we deal with it? Fear. Why do we have fear? Because no one or most people are having a hard time dealing with the rule. Hang on, here it comes. And it's simple. You may not pass on the hurtful things that were passed on to you. And it has a single corollary as well. You must pass on the good things that were passed on to you. Could there be a simpler rule and a simpler corollary? And the answer, even though it, it sounds like the answer, no, how could it be any simpler than that? It's not that simple. It's not that easy. It sounds sounds perfect. It's, it, it, it just it trips lightly off the tongue. It's nice and balanced. The corollary, well, you know, the bad things, no. The good things, yes. Yeah, that's all there is to it. Yeah, fine. Uh, and, then, and, and then the conversations that I've had with the, about this over the years. Uh, okay, uh, ask someone, well, I just said the rule. You may not pass along the hurtful things that were passed on to you. What does that mean? Explain that to me, or, or what do you understand that to mean? And the, the conversation invariably will start with something like, well, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you make sure your kids, uh, uh, you know, think about what you're doing and, and don't, don't pass on your bad things to your kids. Well, what, what, what does that mean? Give me an example. Well, I mean, you know, uh, if, if, you, if you have a temper... Don't, don't, don't basically let your kids see you, you know, don't let you see them losing your temper or, 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 or if, if, you know, if you drink, if you used to drink a lot and everything, don't drink a lot in front of your kids. That's how you don't pass things on. This seems to be the understanding. You must restrict behavior, your own personal behavior. 
And if you can restrict your behavior, that is the, uh, the point at which you restrict the transmission of your behavior. And by the way, there, the, the thing that people very quickly understand also is that this tends to be a generational thing. In other words, you're doing this within people who are sharing your genetic code. That's the, that's the audience to whom things are passed on. But you see, it, it winds up that it's not that simple. Because, uh, in my experience, I don't know, you, you may not have this experience, but the worst of what we are and the things that we detest or dislike most about ourselves, all too frequently, we wind up finding those behaviors or vestiges of those behaviors in our kids even though we think we've gone out of our way not to demonstrate the behavior, not to, not to uh, act out the stuff that is supposedly what we're not supposed to pass along. And, and, and that's, that's, the, that's the problem with how people interpret you may not pass along the hurtful things that were passed on to you. It's, it's assumed, and the easy, it's an easy assumption, maybe a reasonable assumption, given the wording of the rule, that what you shouldn't pass on is an expressed behavior. It's the thing you do. It's the visible thing. It's the thing someone else can pick up on. But that's not what the rule is about. The rule, you may not pass along the hurtful things that were passed on to you, is about the source of the hurtful things. It's about a question, really. What was it that gave rise to the behavior that we're talking about that, that externally seems to be the manifestation of, or it seems to be the thing you don't want to pass along. No, there's something a level below that. There's something that basically gave you a reason why you became abusing drugs or a junkie or why you why you get angry so quickly or why you're so prone to fighting or why you lie or why you gamble anything that actually can be manifested and would be generally in most societies in our culture seen as a negative thing something you wouldn't want your kids to do it exists and it comes from something that under scores that is lower than deeper than at the bedrock of the actual acting out why does someone get angry and get into fights well because basically there is an energy and here it comes there is a negative energy <clears throat> that is being passed on from one generation to the next. Chances are the person who is so concerned about not wanting their kids to have the same anger profile or express anger the same way that they did, to be violent, to, to act out, to be, to be uh, uh, d disruptive, 
I did that when I was a kid, and I know I don't want my kids to do it, so I better not show them my behavior. No, that came from something deeper. And it's only when we begin to explore and recognize the deeper sources of the negative behaviors that we have, when we recognize the negative energy, the, the, the real transmission here, think of it as electricity if you like. It is a transmission on a cellular level. I know this, this starts to sound a little too esoteric to some people, but on a cellular level, at an energetic level, on an intergenerational level, on a, on a DNA level, we are passing along those things that were passed to us. And it's a whole list of things that will ultimately affect our behavior, our capacity to love, our capacity to be successful, our capacity to work with people, our, our capacity to form relationships, our capacity to be within large groups, our capacity to be creative or not creative. All of this is coming at us energetically. And if it's a negative thing, the only way to prevent this from being passed along is not simply to stop the behavior. It's to, under, it's to understand the energetic underpinning of our negative behaviors and to approach that behavior and, and seek to, un, to unseat the energetic underpinnings by recognizing that it is of an energetic nature and finding some way to basically shut off the energetic switch. How do we do that? That's, 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 again, that's, that sounds nice. And by the way, just, just, to, just to follow the corollary with that, passing on the good things, well, you let that stuff flow. Or you consciously become aware of the positive energy that allows good behavioral aspects or positive things in our lives, things that give us true happiness, things that give us affiliation with others, things that we want subsequent generations to share. We recognize that those things are being carried by this form of, let's call, again, call it electricity, but energy, an energy that pervades the whole universe, an energy that's running the whole show, the energy that we call by different names, we use different religious terms for it, we use different psychological terms for it, we use every kind of term, we use different medical terms, it's all energetic stuff. We try to affect it, we try to change it, we approach it from different angles, but we are part of this magnificent net, this magnificent web that is the entire universe, and it's a shared energy in all the matter and material in it, including all the energy, is affecting every one of us, and we are affecting all of it, and it's, it could be overwhelming to even imagine this sometimes. And yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier to reduce it down to, you know, just behavior and, 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 and an aspect of behavior. But what really works beautifully, I found, is beginning with a recognition of what it is we all share, our least common denominator, our shared universal energy, the, the, the language of 
communication on an intergenerational level, the language of DNA movement, the language of evolution, the language of everything we've ever been, the language of all that is and ever was and ever will be, a language that is even bigger and more encompassing than any god that any religion has ever tried to basically put out there. Because invariably all those gods get anthropomorphized because they have to basically uh, authorize some human hierarchy that acts in their name. But energy and what we share and the power of it is bigger than any narrative or dictum that we can ever generate on a theological level. It's just how we are. Now, now, religions have known this forever. I, I'm positive Jesus knew it. Saints have known it. The, 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 the Indian rishis basically knew it. The wise people five, 6,000 years ago, the ones who did the Upanishads and, and who wrote the Mahabharata and, 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 and the Bhagavad Gita and all of these brilliant treatises that explain how energy passes by and through and among us. But the end point of understanding that is recognizing how kindness and love and caring is the thing we want to pass along because human suffering is the result of not recognizing the energetic negativity that we are capable of passing on and dealing with it, stopping it in its tracks. I said before, how do we do that? First, by understanding, admitting to ourselves that there's something deeper than just our surface behavior that drives our behavior. And saying, I'm willing to discover what that might be. Now, for some people at that point, prayer might be a way. Prayer using the mechanisms of organized religion might be a way of approaching the negative behavior and basically clearing it out. Meditation for others energetic practices that literally go to the source of the negative energy. There are many of those out there. But you see, we have to recognize that there will be many, many ways to approach our energy. There's no one way to do it. But what we're attempting to do is to basically, and, and again, this is, this is hard to accept if you don't really, really think about this. We're trying to get to the core. We're trying to get to the fundamental uh, carrier wave, as it were, of negative behavior. And to get there, we have to accept that something has been passed on to us and that we have both the responsibility and the ability to negate it so that we don't pass it on. In so far as and as long as we don't do this, we will be passing along fear and, and uncertainty and a capacity to default to cruelty. And we'll be doing it and we'll see it happening more and more on a larger and larger societal level, on the size of a city, of a state, of a country, of a planet. 
until and unless and until we get our arms around the fact that we can't, we have no right to, we should not pass along negative things to subsequent generations. And that the source of that negativity is something other than just the behavior. It's what's driving the behavior and that's been, it might be multiple generations have been passing on the same anger, the same propensity. You know, your great grandfather did the same damn thing. If you read the stories, he was, a, he was an asshole too and he did, you know what I'm saying? And it also forces us to understand that the carrier wave, as it were, for negative behaviors is something we all share. Our negatives are not absolutely personal to us alone. It's not just something that's within our lives. It is so absolutely secretive and we can't deal with this. We have to hide it away. No, we're all dealing with the same type of negative forces and we can, we can appreciate our efforts to deal with them. And in just recognizing that, in recognizing that our energy is our least common denominator, we begin to remove much of the fear that we have about being different. That seems to be another default. I'm different than you. Therefore, when I default to cruelty, there must be a hierarchical way in which I zero-sum you out. When I stop taking my eye off that which makes us the same, I invariably will automatically resort to that which differentiates us, and it will be expressed in a crueler and crueler way because I actually, in a, and I'll use the word, sick way, find comfort in cruelty, even if I may be the object of my own cruel rules. It, 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 it sounds nuts. It is when you talk about it. It, it, it just makes not much sense. But I don't see how else to explain the reversal of Roe v. Wade. I don't see how else to explain the American attitude towards guns. It, it, it's this crazy mixed thing. We, we have goodness out there. And, we're more, and over time, we are more and more aware of the good. We, we've been through this process enough times. If we've learned anything watching history, we realize that this doesn't work when, when as we drop into this well of cruelty as a default, as a way of feeling somehow safe, even if we don't feel good we feel protected, we feel within a larger group of people who maybe none of, you know, who, 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 who just don't know, none of whom, or very few of whom, can imagine ever actually getting out of this cycle of, of, of negative energy transmission, maybe wouldn't use those words. But we have to basically, you have to stop, we have to, well, I have to say it, well, I'm, I'm saying it here. 
You may not, we may not, I may not pass along the hurtful things that were passed on to me energetically. They're there. They're in my DNA. And I have to accept that it's there, and I have to find a way. It behooves me. It is my obligation to figure out one of any number of ways to approach the fact that I have an energetic propensity towards certain things that I just don't want to pass along. And if I could stop passing them along... God damn it, the world would be a much, much better and probably safer place and a happier place. And we wouldn't have to resort to knee-jerk cruelty towards one another in order to find some measure of security, or some of us would, or, or to have to basically set ourselves up at, 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 at polar opposites in order to feel that there is the security of being within a group, that we can't create the group, the larger group among ourselves, because we can't face the implications of the things that bind us, the least common denominator, that universal energy and what it means and what it can do and, and, and how positive it can be for us, for all of us, that it's hard to accept that. It's hard to look inside. It's hard to say, I have this and I'm passing it on. And you know what happens? Here's, here's the really wacky part. If you don't consciously discover that which is within you that is dry, the negative forces in you and the positive... If you don't confront them, you will automatically pass them on cellularly, genetically. This stuff gets moved along. We have control over a form and a part of our own DNA. We basically can eliminate or emphasize the positive things in our energy, our personal energy. I'm not asking you to understand this. I'm not asking you to get into a, a, into a deep discussion of how this has worked. But I can't, I can't imagine that most people listening to me right now would not say, you know, yeah, that makes sense. It does. It makes sense because it's what is. We can continue on like, you know, like uh, the court, just the Supreme Court and and with all the frightening, angry things that can come out of the court, we can continue on denying uh, that, that Donald Trump uh, lost the election. We can continue on and keep guns far more important than women's rights. We can do all sorts of frightening and mean things. And, and we will lessen ourselves in the process. But we have the capacity, and we must exercise it, to move above and beyond that which is the worst of what we are, and to do it by recognizing that that which is the worst of, which we, of what we are is the product of negative energy, which we will pass along if we don't locate it recognize it, and use some mechanism of spiritual inter intervention to pull away. And once we've done that, our lives, our, our, our individual, our current lives will feel that much more positive, and what we pass along becomes that much more uh, sustainable and, and, and positive positive. 
for the people that follow us. Now, for your kids that are out there right now, fixing your energy might not do anything to theirs. It doesn't quite work that readily. If you finally find a way to deal with your own energy, since you're not basically passing this on, you're not passing, you know, it's no egg and sperm situation that's passing this on. Your kid's out there, your kid's five-year-old, 20-year-old, 50-year-old, whatever's out there. Once you've discovered this for yourself, you're going to have to help others understand how the process works. Once you realize what this does to make your own life positive, to understand what it means to not pass along the negative things that were passed on to you, you are, having, you are under an obligation to say, you know, I've, I've, I've figured something out for me, and I'm simply offering this to you. Now, how you do that, I, you know, if you have a five-year-old, uh, well, you can monitor behavior, but chances are they'll also be very aware of what you do no matter what. If you have an older child, talk to them. Let them know what you've done. Let them know that you understand the rule and its corollary, the corollary. Remember, you... You must pass along the good things. It, it, it's really the starting point. It would be the starting point of an amazing conversation, I'm, I'm telling you right now, to basically say, you know, besides that, you, you know, your eyebrows, uh, yeah, you got the same unibrow that daddy had. Uh, you, you have certain traits that I have, and here's how it happened. And here's what I'm trying to do to change this in my own life. What, what, a, what an amazing starting point for a conversation with your kids. I want to eliminate that in my life, not just by not doing it, but by recognizing where it came from. Caveat. It means you have to talk about the fact that much of what they have came from you and through you, but you can share the fact that it was energetically inspired. And while there's responsibility to recognize and negate it. There may not be responsibility for the initial beginning of the energetic process. You can take joy, a common, a common sense of accomplishment, in recognizing that everybody is affected by the negative energy that basically gave rise to these behaviors. Does that mean there's no responsibility for doing something bad? Of course not. We have rules and regulations, and we have a civil society, and we have moral codes. All those things are necessary to keep a whole bunch of hundreds of millions of people or billions of people functioning in some rational way, especially when you have this many humans on the planet, this many humans in any one country. you got to have laws and rules. So, you, so there's, there's kind of a cash karma process going on based on our behavior. But to stop negative behavior from passing any further, we must deal with it at its energetic roots. Now, as, as Center Left Radio goes on and as we talk and after today's hearing and, yeah, we'll get down into the granular and we'll get to the nitty-gritty and we'll talk about what's happening and how it all works and, and what's bad and what's good and what may work and how the country needs to have justice and all of those things, the more practical things. But nothing, nothing ever supersedes the reality 
that the negative behaviors that we experience in our own lives at some point have been passed on to us. The, the source of our negative behavior is coming to us. Our, the enabling of our negative behavior is based on negative energy that has been transmitted to us. Doesn't take away our responsibility. It doesn't take away your legal liability. It doesn't take away your moral responsibility for anything that you do. But if you want to really deal with it and not just suppress it, you want to basically get down to really meditating, finding your way into the source of that negative energy. As I say, for some people, it might be prayer. I personally find that meditation and, and other energetic practices help me to visualize and recognize the source material empowering my worst behavior in a much more effective way. And allow me, therefore, to say, I will not allow that negative behavior to be passed along. You know, this is not a, this is not a, this is not a binge diet. This is, this is basically understanding. It's sort of a noom kind of a thing, if you will. I, I, haven't, I don't know how noom works. I don't know of anyone who's used it. No, I actually do know one person who used it, but they wound up using some kind of medication as well, so that's not fair. We have to get down to the source of what we are. It's not easy. We can, though. And in the meanwhile, uh, we will have uh, ups and downs, and some people who understand this process, some people who won't, there'll be a balance to the negative, a balance to the positive. We're going with a, a balance towards the negative right now. And we're going to see where that takes us. And I, I will not predict, you know, I'm at a point right now where I, I, I will not predict November, I will not predict what will happen in two years. I have no idea. It doesn't look particularly good right now because fear is what's permeating everything. And that's the problem. That's what the negative energy does. It is a variation on fear, and it's from fear that the negative behavior, the manifestation of the negative energy takes place. Fear is the great granddaddy of every negative behavior that we have. Somewhere along the way, it can trace its way back to a fear. A, a, a gut fear, not necessarily a crouching in the corner, oh, fear, no. Fear as in the absence of love and hope. Enough said. I, I, I wish you the peace of knowing what is at the, at the base of your behaviors. I wish you the peace of being able to recognize and expunge all of the negative energy that has been passed on to you, to me, to all of us, in an effort to make the lives of those that follow us all the better. I wish all of us can recognize that we have an incredible binding common denominator that so overpowers and supersedes any differences that we might imagine about ourselves. It is our shared universal energy. It is more powerful than any deity that any culture has ever created. It's 
the, the thing that drove deity, drove cultures to create deities and religions, it humanized. It made it, it made it, it, it gave a human face. It gave a political uh, uh, orientation and a political activation to knowledge that so many brilliant minds have induced or deduced over the millennia of of of, of human of, of, of Homo sapiens uh, civilization. We now have to tap into what they've tapped into before us. The Bhagavad Gita, I mean, the source materials four or five thousand years ago. Amazing. Read it sometime. The Bhagavad Gita. Won't go any further than that. And understand, well, understand a lot of things. I think right now I understand that this would be an exceptionally good time. <laughs> exceptionally good time. It's been kind of heavy. This has been a bit of a heavy show. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's, maybe it's the most liberating and light show that I've done in a while. But we'll make up for it, I promise. <laughs> this would be a very good time to sit back and chill out and think about all of this. With a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. All the cruelty, the ugliness of the Supreme Court decision, the foolishness about gun laws, everything that we do to hurt one another is nothing but a manifestation of fear. Fear basically transmitted by not dealing with it at an energetic level. We can correct this, but to do it, we have to recognize that which binds all of us, our shared universal energy.